Recently, a new enzyme replacement drug was found to be effective in treating children with a rare pediatric disease, Hunter syndrome. What is this new treatment, and how can it help improve the life of a child with Hunter syndrome? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Joseph Munzer, Professor of the Department of Pediatrics and Genetics at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Dr. Munzer is recognized as one of the world's leading experts in Hunter Syndrome research and the medical treatment of children with genetic lysosomal storage disease, such as Hunter Syndrome. Welcome, Dr. Munzer. Thank you, Dr. Hill. It's my pleasure to talk on ReachMD about Hunter Syndrome. Today we are discussing a new treatment for Hunter Syndrome. Review with us, Dr. Munzer, please. What is Hunter Syndrome? So Hunter Syndrome is a lysosomal storage disease where patients are missing an enzyme involved in the recycling or breaking down glycosaminoglycans or complex carbohydrates throughout the body. I take it that there is a replacement therapy with this enzyme? That's correct. So there now is a treatment for Hunter syndrome, which involves the administration of an IV form of the missing enzyme called Eloprase. And this is given intravenously? This is given intravenously over typically three hours. Rationale being this enzyme can be given into the bloodstream and cells have the appropriate receptors to take up this enzyme and then deliver it directly to the lysosome. And this is a synthetic made? It's a recombinant made enzyme, so it's made in the laboratory and purified to you know, high purity, and then that enzyme is sort of given back to the patients. Well, is this a cure for these patients? It's clearly only a treatment. Hunter syndrome is a untreated progressive disorder where you get constant increasing storage of compounds within the cells, which causes damage, death, and irreversible changes depending on the organ. So the use of a recombinant enzyme can really more prevent the problems, reverse some of the storage, but it clearly doesn't get to all the tissues where storage occurs. Does it make a difference if you approach the patient earlier in their diagnosis? I think it's no question that it's much easier in my clinical experience to prevent problems with the use of this enzyme than trying to reverse long-standing problems such as cardiac valve involvement and significant joint restriction. So do all patients with Hunter syndrome get this enzyme? Well, again, it has to be prescribed and has to be approved. It's a very expensive medication, but there are some patients who are profoundly today neurologically impaired, both with significant physical disease, and clearly some families have elected not to treat those individuals since the enzyme as we give it by IV infusion, we believe does not cross the blood-brain barrier and impact the neurologic disease. So you cannot deal with the neurologic deficits? The currently way we give it, no, we believe that the neurological deficits occur, and unfortunately in Hunter syndrome, two-thirds of the patient population will ultimately develop neurologic disease. But do you give the enzyme in these patients for the other organ involvement? Absolutely. I think for quality of life issues, you know, treating a two- or three-year-old individual with Hunter syndrome who has joint involvement, airway involvement, we can prevent and reverse some of that and improve the quality of life. What we can't do at this stage is really treat the neurologic disease in 
Hunter syndrome. Why did it take so long to develop the enzyme for this disease? Well, it's only in the early 70s that we recognize the missing enzyme. And then with the advent of recombinant DNA technology 10, 15 years ago, it now became possible to make small amounts of the enzyme in the laboratory. And is this experimental? Initially, it was experimental, and the difficulty was making enough of the quantity of the enzyme. In a small research lab like my own or other people's labs, we can make small amounts, but it really required sort of a commercial company to come in and to make the quantity of enzyme needed under the appropriate quality control to allow us to have a product for a very rare disorder. And how did that happen? What really came about by a variety of means, a researcher in Adelaide, Australia, Dr. John Hopwood, initially cloned the gene. He then developed a technology, and then with time, he licensed that technology to a company now called Shire Human Genetic Therapy. They clearly produced the enzyme in their commercial production facility, did the appropriate clinical trials, and then over a year and a half ago, that enzyme was approved by the FDA for the treatment of basically the physical features of Hunter syndrome. And this is approved by all insurance companies and Medicare and Medicaid? Well, that's one of the challenges. I think that the clinical trials for this disorder was basically in the attenuated patients, the, the neurologically intact patients. Because we needed, the FDA requires clinical benefit along with the appropriate safety. And therefore, to get clinical benefit, we had to have individuals cooperative follow our testing. So the clinical trials only occurred in the over five individual. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Joseph Munzer, professor of pediatrics and genetics at the University of North Carolina and a world-recognized expert in genetic lysosomal storage diseases such as Hunter syndrome. We are discussing a new enzymatic treatment for Hunter syndrome. Dr. Munzer, how often do you have to give this enzyme replacement in the patients? Because the enzyme only has a relatively short half-life in the body, that of maybe two or three days, the current recommendation is to give it weekly. To have effectiveness, it needs to be given basically lifelong. So in other words, the patient will have to take this all of their life. That's our current understanding because within a week or so, the enzyme is virtually gone from the body that we administered because of the half-life. Normally, you or I and everybody else will be making this enzyme constantly, and the lysosome always gets a steady supply of new enzymes. How do you determine what dose to give? That was part of the clinical trial. So we used different doses in a phase 1-2 clinical trial, and then we took the best dose, which in this case was a half a milligram per kilogram per administration, and use that dose for the phase 2-3 clinical trial, which demonstrated that that dose was effective compared to a placebo-controlled population. You mentioned before that this was expensive. How expensive? Certainly for the 5- or 6-year-old, the drug could easily cost 250000 to $300,000 per year or more. And the insurance companies don't balk at this treatment? I think they balk at it, but clearly, you know, it's shown to be beneficial. Depending on the nature of it, most individuals can get approval. There are still some patients in the country, because of their insurance plan and because they're under five, which was not studied in the clinical trial, that the companies are resisting because it is so expensive. 
And what about the children and young adults who don't have insurance? Does the government have a special subsidy for this? Not a special subsidy, but the normal federal insurance, Medicaid, Medicare, will cover this medication. Are there any side effects of this? Like any drug, there clearly are side effects, and the typical side effects for this particular drug, which is a protein, it's really hypersensitivity reactions. And how do they manifest themselves? Those reactions can occur as flushing, redness, fevers, and chills, and in the more severe form can actually have an anaphylactoid-like response as with difficulty breathing and hypotension. How quickly do you see the response? The response in terms of the reactions can occur not in the first infusion, but typically after the third or fourth where the body's been exposed to it. Sometimes the reaction can occur after a few milliliters of the drug infused. Other times it can occur much later during the infusion. Are the results of treatment with this enzyme dramatic, or are they more subtle? They're dramatic in a sense over months, but one infusion does not make these children normal. Clearly, by following their hepatomegaly, within two or three infusions, you can physically determine that their stomach is smaller because their liver is smaller. Clearly, parents report that within sometimes three or four infusions, these children are feeling better. They're starting to have to sometimes buy new pants for their children because the previous pants now are too big. So it's more subtle in terms of weeks to months, but over a six-month period, there can be dramatic improvement in some of the children. They just feel better. They have more activity, better appetite, and parents are very pleased, typically, of the results. Dr. Munzer, tell us about your personal experience using this enzyme with patients. Well, I was a principal investigator in both the initial Phase one, two and the Phase two clinical trial, and for me, it's just been a phenomenal experience. I've been involved in this disorder since I was a fellow at the NIH in the 80s, and for me now to be able to offer a treatment for a previously untreated disorder has just been an incredible pleasure. Can you expand upon that? Certainly for me, this issue of the things we see very quickly is a decrease in, in the liver and spleen enlargement, but probably what's most important that it's really hard to fathom exactly why, the kids and even the adults feel better. After two to three months, they start having more energy. They can do more. For example, one of the children I took care of, you know, at a 13-year-old, he couldn't tie his shoes. He couldn't bend over to tie his shoes. And then with time, after six months, he can now do that on his own. Some of the kids can't raise their hands before treatment above their head to wash their hair. And now with treatment, they can do that. So the little things are just dramatic impacts on this very progressive disorder. And so the l infusion, that really just dramatically improved the quality of life. Not a cure, but it clearly is a dramatic improvement in how they function. This must be very personally satisfying for you. To me, it's incredibly satisfying. But I think more important... For the families who have this disorder, they now have hope for the first time where, you know, five years ago, there was nothing available to them. Now they really have hope. The future is very different. These attenuated individuals, these young men now can look forward to a much better long-term quality of life where before they were destined to die very premature and have lots of problems with, you know, both cardiac and airway issues. And if you had a crystal ball... Do you think that in the future we will be dealing with enzymatic replacement or will we be dealing with gene replacement therapy? Gene replacement therapy or gene therapy is still on the horizon. I mean, there's been so much hype in terms of saying it can work, but right now it's still not there. 
for the next five or so years, it's clearly going to be enzyme. But enzyme requires regular administration as incredibly expensive. It would be much nicer to have the body put in the normal genetic material and let the body produce the missing enzyme instead of having, you know, a huge commercial facility have to purify it and then ship it to the patient and give it by IV infusion. I want to thank Dr. Joseph Munzer, who has been our guest. We have been discussing a new treatment for Hunter syndrome. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to check out our website at www.reachmd.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.